here in person before and our missions team wanted to bring that video to you and give an update from Leipzig, Germany. If you ever get a chance to travel again and go to Germany, you can go visit this church that we support. And he is doing a great job and he is such a great communicator of the gospel. I come up here already feeling very encouraged uh, just by his words today. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to read in just a second, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13, but I want to give you another mini sermon before we begin, which is this. <laughs> Uh, your, your pastors, your elders, myself, we have had growing, have a growing burden for you. And I know that um, during this time, those of us who are fearful, I think our fear has been growing. Uh, those of us who've been angry, our, our anger is getting worse. If we have a struggle with lust or whatever our issue is, Andre, you know, kind of alluded to all this. Like, there's been a time during this time where maybe all these emotions have gotten uh, more intensified. We, we have a growing concern for the body of Christ in, in, in the United States, but around the world, that, that we're losing hope. And, and he's alluded to the great hope that we have. And so it is a great thing that we've gathered this morning together to, to be together physically, uh, to, to worship together, and to renew our hope. And to talk about suffering today, we're going to be talking about suffering and how much God uses suffering to sanctify us, to grow us, to make us more uh, like his son, Jesus. And already I am having so much fun preaching to you because preaching to a camera <laughs> with a couple pastors behind you going like this and taking notes and getting coffee. I mean, it's not really good. So, okay, let's read 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Beloved, do mm. not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Church, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You know, dealing with COVID is kind of like dealing with a road trip with little kids. Uh, how many of you have been on a road trip with little kids? <laughs> Maybe it was a long time ago, but... Going on a road trip with little kids is kind of funny. <laughs> kind of not, but it's also kind of funny. It's kind of funny in this way is that little kids have no sense of time and they have no sense of distance, right? And so going on a road trip is kind of funny with little kids. It's also kind of funny going on a road trip with adults who are on a road trip with little kids because little kids don't have any sense of time uh, or distance and adults who are with them don't have any sense of patience with little kids who have no sense of time <laughs> or distance. And I can remember a, a spring break trip that we took to San Diego years ago when my kids were little. And we had these very close friends that lived in our cul-de-sac, but they moved to San Diego. And we started a tradition of going to visit them on spring break in San Diego, of course, who wouldn't, right? So on our trip back though, I stopped at a gas station right by their house and I gathered the troops and said, all right, listen, we're about to get in the van and it's going to be a long drive back uh, home. So, you know, read, uh, watch your movie, but like, let's be patient with one another. Okay, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long drive. So let's be patient. So we get in the car, strap in the seatbelts, get everybody in their seats and buckled in, and we start driving through the city uh, from the suburbs into the city. And one of the voices raises up and goes, "Oh, is this Phoenix?" And I said, no, that's Qualcomm Stadium. That's where the Chargers play as the San Diego Chargers, not anymore. 
really bums me out, actually. But like, uh, that's where the Chargers play. And then we start driving up the mountain a little bit. Oh, are we in Arizona? Is this the desert of Arizona? No, this is, you can still see the ocean, you know, if you turn around and look. <laughs> but I've been thinking about my heart's emotions about COVID, and I'm kind of like this little kid who's in the back of the van going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Is this over? I want this to be over. Uh, I'm like a Phoenician who looks at the, the weather forecast every day going, <laughs> is this going to ever end? Has anyone recently moved? Okay, anybody else? You're, okay, the rest of you, okay. It's always like this. It never gets better. <laughs> never. You've, you've moved here in one of the worst years ever, for sure. <laughs> it does get better. I look at the forecast, though, all the time, and you're like, is it going to change? No, 114, 114, 111, <laughs> 107, 107, 0% chance of rain. And it's hot even up north. And that's kind of where we are with COVID, right? And we're sick of it. We read the news, and it's going to be a long time before there's a vaccine. But what are we going to do about it, church? And where's our hope right now? And I love Andre's giving you the thunder already. Our hope really can't be in those things that our hope is in. But suffering, what we're going to talk about today is this. Suffering has this amazing ability to sort of separate the men from the boys or the, or the women from the girls and show us where our hope actually is. Suffering does that. Suffering absolutely does that. One of the inevitable human realities is the reality of suffering. And last week uh, online, we talked about the reality of gospel growth through actively working out your faith, not working for your salvation, but working out your salvation in fear and trembling, like working out your muscles, going to the spiritual gym, uh, working out, working out your faith, like uh, making cookies and taking the butter and the, the delicious chocolate chips and working them into the batter. That's, that's what we're called to do, to take the goodness of the gospel and to work it into the details of our life. But today, we're going to talk about the more passive reality uh, in a sense, but in another sense, it's not passive at all. You have to work out your suffering in fear and trembling as well. But the reality that we will all suffer in this life, and God means to use all things for our good, and, the, and our good is usually, from a biblical perspective, is our sanctification, and that means our growth, our holiness, to become more and more made into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's God's purpose. Suffering doesn't necessarily lead to our growth, does it? If we give ourselves over to our natural inclination, suffering does not, does not necessarily lead to our growth. And I think, again, this is what, what, what separates separates us and, and shows us like where our heart's allegiance actually is, and that's really what we're going to talk about. Suffering does not necessarily lead to growth, but God means for it to. In church, can we admit that maybe we haven't done such a great job? Maybe you have. I praise God if you have, but maybe you haven't. Maybe your anger has been growing and growing and growing. Maybe your fear has been amplified in this moment, but, but today, I, my prayer for us all, and myself included, is that we would be able to take our fear and our anger and our concerns and, and all the distractions that are screaming at us on the news and social media and take them to the Lord mm. and say, in this mm. moment of suffering, Lord, I want to grow. 
Just this last week, I had a great meeting with a young man in our church who's a young father and came to me with uh, some suffering in his life. And he's not a man who's suffered much in life. And he came saying, I am suffering. Explain the ordeal he's going through. And it is a fiery trial, just like Peter's talking about. And he said, at first, it's been rocking my faith, and I felt like I've lost everything. But the Lord, I've heard God speaking to me. And Pastor Scott, I want to learn to suffer well. I want to be able to grow through this. I don't want this to crush me. I want to be able to rejoice through this. I'm like, man, he's already won the battle. Just getting to the part where you're like, yes, Lord, help me. I want to grow. I don't want to get sucked into the spiral of anger and depression and sadness. I want, and believe me, we've all been there, but I want, I want to live with hope, even if I am depressed. I want to live with hope, even if I am angry. Amen? I want to live with hope, even if I am fearful. Amen. The first thing Peter talks about today is don't be surprised by suffering. Don't be surprised by it, but aren't you surprised? <laughs> what? Suffering? In other cultures, they're surprised when good things happen. In America, we're not. We're shocked when bad things happen. And that's kind of, a, not maybe not you personally, but generally speaking, for our culture, Russians, for example, and the Russian culture, from what I've studied, like, they expect it. After living through what they've lived through and totalitarian regimes, and all, like, of course, they expect it. But we don't. We're surprised. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, don't be surprised. It's a fiery, I love that phrase, fiery trial. When it comes upon you to do what? Test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Mm. And so, oftentimes in our culture, in our day, in our age, in our technology, and sort of like where we are as a society, where we're, we're, we're spoiled, frankly, by technology and, and good health and all these things, and when something bad happens, we're like, what is going on? Where's the fast food? You know, where's the fast food? Where's the microwave? How can I get through this like this? And now, all of a sudden, the entire world is asked together by God's will that we suffer collectively a fiery ordeal. Suffering in life is the, the norm. Peter says, "Don't be surprised by it." But I often am. I often am surprised, shocked by this thing that has happened. And I kind of have this expectation that I'm just going to sort of bounce through life, that everything's going to land in the fairway, everything's going to work out my way, and then I'm just going to poof, die, and go to heaven. And you're there, waiting for the consummation of the coming kingdom. You know, like, that's not usually how it goes, though, right? I mean, that's, that's not the norm, but that's sort of my expectation. It's inevitable, but we don't approach it as followers of Jesus as Stoics. We don't have to deny ourselves emotionally and say, I can't feel anger, I can't feel depressed, or I can't be sad. That's not it. That's not a denial of the emotions or a denial that suffering is going to affect me somehow. That's not the Christian perspective. It's not the Buddhist approach either, which is detachment, right? To, to uh, any attachments, I just... Don't want. I'm going to love you, but not enough that you can hurt me. Dude, that's not love, right? Mm. The Christian is not the Stoic approach. It's not the Buddhist approach, but it is the, the Christian approach, which is to feel the emotions, to enter into life, but to have hope in the midst of it. A living hope, Peter says. Mm. Don't be surprised. But I've been a little surprised. <laughs> I didn't see a global pandemic coming. You know, those were <laughs> fun movies that we would watch prior, but never thought it would actually happen. 
Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you're suffering as if something strange were happening to you. And the next thing I want us to see today is don't waste your suffering. Some of you are suffering a little in this moment, and some of you are suffering a lot. Maybe it's because of COVID. Maybe it has nothing to do with COVID. But regardless, what the apostle says is don't waste it. Well, what does he mean? And I want to stop for a second. I want to ex explain something and also ask you to pray for something. One of my most important mentors in my life is a man named Tim Keller. He's a pastor in New York City. He's recently retired. He's a great author. He's a great theologian. I think he's one of the greatest minds alive today in Christianity. If you've not read his stuff or listened to his sermon, he has this podcast on. You can listen to it anywhere you can find podcasts. And it's uh, called, uh, I think it's called The Gospel Today. That's not it. I'm spacing the name of it. But anyway, it's Tim Keller podcast. You'll find it. Gospel. I had to quit listening to Tim's sermons. I listened to him for years. I had to quit about 10 years ago because he is, says things so <laughs> uniquely and so powerfully that once I hear it, I feel like I just rip it off. And you're like, yeah, you quote him like every day. I'm like, I know. And I still haven't listened to him for like 10 years. I read his stuff, but I don't listen to his sermons. But recently, for my own soul, as I've battled for hope in the midst of this, on my long walk every morning, I've been listening to one of his sermons, and it has been such a blessing. And a lot of what I'm going to allude to today, I learned from Pastor Tim. Now, here's the thing. It's one thing for me to get up and talk about suffering today. It's another thing when somebody's really suffering. And I'm, I suffer a little like you during COVID, but for the rest of my life, to be honest, things are good right now. Really good. But Tim Keller has pancreatic cancer right now and is battling at stage four. Um, if you know anything about cancer, you know what that means. It's, it's not good. So would you please pray for our brother Tim, who has helped form this church from afar, in a sense, and pray for him as he suffers. Peter says this, don't be surprised by the fiery trial that comes upon you to test you or to prove you. And this word, fiery ordeal or trial, and in the English Standard Version, that, that phrase, fiery ordeal, man, this is so descriptive is literally, it's just beautifully perfect because this word in the original language is purosis. What does that sound like in the English language? To purify, right? Purity. And that's exactly what it means. Uh, to prove you, he says, uh, Peter, or to test you. Don't be surprised by this purifying ordeal because it's here to purify you. It's here to test you. When you put iron ore in a fire, I, I'm told, I'm not super... It's not like I'm a metal worker, uh, but I have been told that when you put iron ore, you know, like, so it, there are, there's metal in there, but there's also all kinds of impurity. And under enough fire and under enough pressure, you begin to separate, right, the dross from the pure metal. At least that's what I'm told. Under normal temperature, you're not going to see it. You're not going to experience the separation between that which is the good stuff and the impure. Mm. But under a fiery ordeal, under the heat and the, the pressure of fire, what happens? These two things separate, and you can tell that which is right, which is metal, right? And that which is what you don't want, the, the impure, the dross. And so for us, a fiery trial, this is what happens in a sense. It separates that which is right on in our faith and that which is hoping in something that is not the gospel. And can we just admit, we do it every Sunday, we, we have a confession of faith and a, an assurance of pardon. 
And one of the reasons is from the lead pastor to the other pastors to the elders to the staff to your small group leaders to all the leaders in this church, every single one of us loves Jesus and has a, a saving faith and yet experiences a divided heart on a daily basis. Tempted to say, I need God, but I also really need to look to money as my hope and my satisfaction, right? I need God, but I also need uh, my physical health. I also need uh, this meal and, and good pleasure and, and, and good, uh, you know, all the stuff I like. I need God, and I need all this stuff and all these relationships. And these are usually really, really good things, gifts from God, not evil in and of themselves, but good things that then I take and elevate and I begin to make them an ultimate thing, right? It's what the Bible calls idolatry. And so when I take a good thing, a gift from God, and elevate it into an ultimate thing and begin to bow to it, I'm, I'm using it in such a way that it was never meant to be because a good thing that's not God can never, listen, can never ever satisfy me. You know that, right? Not just me, you too. It will never satisfy. Hmm. And a fiery trial is often a situation in which obedience to God, you know, there's all kinds of fiery trials, but one of them, and the type, the type that I want to talk about today, mainly, a fiery trial is often a situation in which obedience to God will cost you something. Very dear. And you can almost hear God whisper to you in those fiery trials, those moments, now we will find out whether you got into Christianity for me to serve you or for you to serve me. And believe me, the gospel, of course, is that God serves us, right? But there's also lordship. He's the Lord. We're not. We're his servants. Now we'll see whether... I'm serving you or you're serving me. Now we'll see whether these things are a means to an end or whether I am the end, the goal. Whenever it's hard to obey, whenever it's costly to obey, obedience is a suffering. And that fiery trial will tempt us, show us in a sense, like what are our other lords and saviors that we're looking to? Mm. What is in competition to the real thing, faith in Jesus Christ? One of my good friends at New Valley became a Christian right here at New Valley. And I remember the day he came to our church for the first time, <laughs> like it was yesterday. It was a long time ago. It was back when we were still in the cafeteria of Valley Christian High School in Salem. And that, that's where we began. We began in our living room, then we moved into Barnes Auditorium at Valley Christian. And there was this guy who showed up with a girl one day. And they walk in, and she's looking very happy to be there. <laughs> And he had this look of just utter shock on his face. Just like, ah, I don't want to be here. So I'd go up to him, of course, and like, hey, how you doing? And he's just like, eh, don't talk to me. You know, no COVID, no, you know, like, don't touch me. Don't look at me. Like, so, and he sat there with this girl, this woman, and, and just kind of looked at me with a strange look during the entire sermon. And I found out their story later. They had been dating for a long time. She grew up a Christian and had not been walking with the Lord for many years. But during their time together uh, while they were dating, it was getting very serious, close to marriage, close to engagement. And she turned to him one day and just said, here's the reality. You know I grew up as a Christian, but I have not been walking with the Lord. But I've repented to God, and I'm returning to him. I'm going back to Christ. I'm going back to church. And yet you're in my life, and you're important to me. 
but you're not as important to me as Christ. And so I'm going in this direction. If you come and become a Christian, <laughs> you can come with me. If not, you're out. Hmm. So under those conditions, <laughs> this guy is drugged to church. No wonder his face, right, is just this look of horror as he's there. He doesn't want to be there. But he kept coming week after week. And over time, I noticed his countenance begin to change. And he went from shock and horror hmm. to, like, leaning in, sort of on the edge of his seat as we were preaching through Genesis. And I remember even the sermon. We're talking about Abraham, and he just started locking in and listening and listening. And then he and I began to meet together, and he became a Christian. Not through me, not through my words, but because God was at work in his life. Mm -hmm. He became a Christian, and right after he became a Christian, I began to think, like, well, is he becoming a Christian for her, this amazing young lady? Or is he becoming a Christian for Christ, right? Because he has faith. And then she broke up with him. In spite of him becoming a Christian, he, he did it. Like, he became a legitimate Christian. And she broke up with him, and she left. And I thought, now we're going to know. Now we'll know. It's one thing to come to faith to get the girl. But is Jesus the means, the end, or is he the means to the end? Was she his God, or was Christ actually his God? And he walked with the Lord in faith in that moment. And he waited patiently for years to God for God to bring a Christian woman into his life for him to marry. And his name's Dave Simonelli. He's now one of our elders. And he's married to Ginger Simonelli. He's one of the most amazing young ladies and Christians you'd ever meet. <laughs> and so what a joy it's been to, to plant New Valley and to see stories like that, but to see him come under a fiery trial. It's under fire that we can separate the pure metal from the dross and experience the separation mm. of the two. I didn't realize how important my career was until I was under the fire of losing that career, right? Mm. I, didn't, I didn't realize how much money had a mm. hold on me until the stock market crashed in 2008 or then as COVID hit and I thought, man, I may lose it all. I didn't see how important my reputation is until your reputation is challenged. Mm. Somebody starts coming against you. Mm. We all say that we believe in God, and, and if for the Christian, that's true, but Christians need to also admit that we have all these functional saviors and mm. lords that are not the Lord, and one of the most important aspects to Christian growth is recognizing where you're tempted to bow down to other things, and then to get in the process of turning away from those and just saying, I, I need that, but I don't need it like I used to. Of course I need some money. Of course I need love. Of course I need friendship. Of course I want a reputation. Of course I need a job. But I don't, I don't need my career like I used to need it. I need Christ, ultimately. He's my Lord. He's not a means to some other end. He's not my cosmic Santa. He's the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to serve him. When we choose between God or pleasure... Or God or comfort, or God or popularity, or God or status, or God or money, or God or politics, or God in our reputation, whatever it is, we don't learn to put God first until we come into the refining fire. And we all say we believe in God, but until we come into the fire, we don't know often where our heart really is. Mm. And let's face it, when we choose pleasure, when we choose money, when we choose power, when we choose politics, whatever our thing is, right, where our hope is, yeah. hmm. that is our God in that moment. Hmm. And not a capital G God, that's 
That's your idol. I have to have those things. I would like God, but I have to have that. I really like to have God, but I would like to have that. Yeah. And Tim Keller says this, whenever your life becomes meaningless, it's because something besides God that you have put your functional trust in has died. Mm. Now I'm going to press pause on the sermon for just a second because uh, normally like we have a nursery and we have, uh, you know, babies cry and you're like, why don't you put that kid in the nursery? Like, you know, and I mean, that's how we roll here. That's our culture. We want to shame people. Like, <laughs> no, Get that kid in the nursery. No, I'm kidding. No, like, hey, uh, during this time, it's going to get noisier in here. So we sh let's, let's not make people feel that way. Like, if a kid's crying, I'm cool with it. I want you to be cool with it. If, it, if your kids feel a little noisier, you know, it should be that way all the time in a way, but like, especially now, let's just really be patient with one another. I want everyone to feel like they can be in here. And so, yeah. amen? Amen. All right, keep preaching. <laughs> whenever, this is Keller, whenever your life becomes meaningless, I bet we've all been there. Why do we get there, though? I've recently had conversations with people, yeah, it's like, man, I've always felt like I have a firm faith, but all of a sudden life has felt meaningless. They're getting cynical, they're getting bitter, they're getting angry. Whenever your life becomes meaningless, it's because something besides God that you have put your functional trust in has died or is being shaken, right? Something... Other than God, your money, your power, your reputation, your political ideology, whatever it is, is being shaken. It's not being trusted. It's not going well. It's dying or has died. If God is the thing you trust in the most, life won't become meaningless if she breaks up with you. Mm. If you get sick. If the stock market plunges, Amen. if you lose your job, will you get sad? Of course. Will you get angry? Of course. Will you need counsel and fellowship and and, and maybe even medication for depression. Yes, yes, and yes. But it won't become meaningless. Because Christ is Lord and he's still on the throne. Amen? Amen. When people say life is meaningless because I'm old or sick or a failure, it means your trust has failed you. The false God that you've been putting your hope in has failed you. But you don't have a false God. You have Jesus. He conquered death. They can't take that away from you. No, nothing can take that from you. And finally, the thing I want us to see is this. Rejoice through suffering. Don't waste it and rejoice through it. Mm. 1 Peter 4.13. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad mm. when he is revealed, mm. when the glory is revealed. Peter says rejoice because you share in Christ's sufferings sufferings. We could spend days talking about, well, what does that mean? How do we share in Christ's sufferings? When we're persecuted, when, when we're tempted and we obey, there's a suffering. Amen? There is. And, and I'm not exactly sure what it means by Peter when he says uh, Christ's sufferings, but what a beautiful thing it is that we have a Savior who has suffered. Mm. The Christian gospel is that we have a Savior that suffered. He's not far removed from suffering. He is not surprised by suffering. He endured suffering. He drank the full cup, as Pastor Andre said, of suffering mm. on the cross on our behalf. Jesus yeah. knows what it is to suffer. 
Now, the Christian gospel is not that we rejoice because we're suffering. We don't rejoice in the suffering. We don't rejoice at evil things. Instead, we rejoice because God is using the suffering, and we join Christ in his suffering, and we have the hope of glory. Mm. Mm -hmm. We rejoice because there's a day where suffering will end. We have a day coming where suffering is defeated. And that God is with us in this suffering. He will redeem the suffering. He'll make us more like Christ. That is his goal. God exists to make you happy is what the, the American gospel is. But that's a lie. <laughs> God does not exist to make me happy. He exists to make me holy. And sometimes those two things go together and sometimes they don't. <laughs> right? Peter says the answer, though, is found in, in something we're not going to have much time to unpack today, but in longing and hoping in something we can't yet see, which is his coming glory. We get a taste of it, maybe even this morning, just a little glimpse, a taste, but there is an ultimate glory coming. In Romans 8, 18, it says this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. There is a time coming when the glory of Christ returns, and not just his physical return, which will most certainly happen, but his ushering in of the coming kingdom, where all suffering will end, and it's, mm. it's the death of death. Mm. So let's practically look like what this, let's look at this practically mm. for just a moment as we close. You're suffering, and perhaps you really are suffering right at this moment, right this mm. second. First, say to yourself, I'm not surprised. I live in a broken, fallen world that's rebelled against God since its creation. Since the day I was born, I have been bent on rebelling against my Lord. Like, I'm not surprised by this. This is where I live. I live in the shadowlands. And then I remember, God is using this for my good. And his good is different than my definition of good because I want just things to always go in the fair way. If I make an investment, I want to make money. If I get a job, I want it to be great. Great. I want my kids to always be happy and healthy and obey me and so forth. <laughs> I want all these things, and it just doesn't work out that way. Mm. But I'm not surprised, but I remember God is using it all for my good. Amen. And my ultimate good is that I Amen. become more like his son Jesus. Amen. And then I say to myself, well, what's the worst thing that can happen to me through this suffering? Well, I might die, okay, but then what? Well, then my soul will go to be with the Lord in that moment, and my suffering is ended. And then, there's a coming day, I don't know when, but there's a coming day when Christ will return, <laughs> and my body will be unified back with my soul, and there is a city from the Lord that is going to come down, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and Christ will reign there, and suffering has ended. Mm. And so when I compare the glory that will be revealed to this present and momentary suffering, I can endure this with hope. Now, as your brother and father in the faith, I just want to say to you today, like church, thank you for being here this morning to, to hear God's word. And I want to challenge you to suffer well in this moment. To suffer well through this 
political season, to suffer well through coronavirus, to suffer well through the divisions in our society. Mm. And if your anger is Jesus. only growing, Jesus. what idol is being threatened right now? I promise you that's where your mm. anger is coming from. It's not from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Oh, I have righteous indignation. No, you don't. I bet you don't. <laughs> you might. I doubt it. <laughs> Why is your fear so off the charts? Mm. One of your idols is being threatened. A false god, something you're bowing to that is not the Lord Jesus Christ, is being shaken and is hmm. dying. That thing is not the Lord. Well, I have a proper fear. Maybe you do. But why is it growing? It's because something that is not Jesus Christ is dying. But you don't need it. You have mm. the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He suffered. He mm. died for you. He rose again from the dead for you. He's enough. Mm. Let's pray.